night, and every Saturday night there, uh, his, his wife's tradition was to, to go to the refrigerator and clean out all the week's leftovers and, 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 and heat it all up, and they, so they just had kind of a hodgepodge of, of food on Saturday night. So sometimes you got what you wanted, sometimes you didn't, but that's just what they did for Saturday night meal. And, and this particular night, that she heated stuff up, and there was, there was one serving of, of tortellini left, and she set that down in front of her six-year-old son named Jeremy. Well, as soon as she did that, her eight-year-old son, Matthew, piped up, hey, I wanted the tortellini. And, and, and so, so they were hoping that they would somehow work that out. And uh, really what they were hoping was, hey, let me cut it in half and share. But, uh, but Jeremy wasn't having any of it. So a, a, a kind of an argument uh, ensued, and they, they were going back and forth, and, and obviously wasn't going to get anywhere. So finally, uh, uh, finally Ken decided he, to go spiritual with it, to go theological. And he said, as he looked over at Jeremy, who was, wasn't going to give up any of his, his tortellini, he looked over at him and, and simply said to him, okay, now, Jeremy, think about it. If Jesus were here, what do you think Jesus would do? Without missing a beat, Jeremy looked at him and said, Dad, that's easy. He would just make more tortellini. <laughs> he, he responded that way. Jesus, Jesus uh, would just make more appear. Well, how do you feed how do you feed a crowd? If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 6. We're going we're gonna to be looking there. We're also going to be, uh, for, for reference sake, uh, in, in the other three Gospels as well this morning. A few years ago, as it's been several now, I, I received an email from my twin sister, Mindy. It was early November. And Mindy sent me an email. We were planning on going home for Thanksgiving back to Illinois. And so she sent an email. And since we were traveling a great distance, she said, okay, you guys just bring the paper product. So, so it was our responsibility to bring uh, plates, napkins, and silverware, and all that, uh, or plasticware, and all that stuff. And 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 in the the email, she continued. She said, "I'm going to make a turkey and something else." And she said, "Beck's going to cook a ham, and Rick's going to do the potatoes." And and she went on uh, and basically laid out a blueprint on how how to feed our family. Now now that's 25 or 30 people, but she laid it out how how to feed that many people. But but what if you had organize not in a, a month's time but organize immediately uh, an event where you had to feed 5,000 and, and so when we look this morning and again these stories like I said in all four gospels Mark uh, or Matthew 14 Mark 6 Luke 9 and uh, in John 6 where we're at today they all tell us how Jesus fed a crowd so we're going to look this morning at this text at this story that I, I assume most of you are familiar with we're going to look at this this story, and we're going to see there's four groups, there's four participants in the story. Uh, as you look at that text, pretty obvious, you can probably, without even reading it, figure out who they are. But we're going to look at those four participants and uh, and just see what we can learn uh, about that today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 6. I'm not going to read the whole section. It's verse 1 through 15, but let me start at the at verse 1 and read a little bit of it. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs that he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw the great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, "Where shall we buy? Uh, where shall we buy food, uh, bread for these people to eat?" He asked this only to test them, for already had in, in mind what he was going to do. 
Now, if you're, if you're familiar with the story, you know that the other three Gospels tell a little bit different story. It's not really a problem for us. Uh, John just relates the story one way, and the others relate it with a little bit more detail to that area. But the first group that we see that stands out is the crowd. If you're going to feed a crowd, you, well, kind of obvious, you need a crowd. So the question comes up, why, uh, why was there a crowd? Uh, the, the, the crowd showed up. If you read all those gospels and kind of put them all together, you kind of, kind of get the sense. We're, we already mentioned there that they saw the miraculous signs that he had done. They knew who Jesus was. They had heard him teach and, and, and they saw Jesus and his disciples get in a boat and head off and they, they all rushed down to where they thought he was going to land in his boat because they wanted to see Jesus again. Why was there a crowd? Well, well, because they were hungry. And let me just go ahead and throw, if you're following along in your notes, I'll, I'll let me throw both of those points out there uh, under that point uh, together. They, they were hungry and they were headstrong. We're going to kind of talk about those kind of all mixed together. Uh, when you're hungry, when you're hungry and someone is giving away something that will satisfy your hunger, man, you flock to that. You you don't hesitate to go to that. For instance, I'm going to illustrate it this way. I'll just I'll just see what people how you respond. I, I have up on this table, you, you can't see it, but I'll, I'll kind of slide around so you can. I have six brand new Snickers bars. Uh, well, yeah. I, I, I don't know where to buy a used Snicker bar, I guess. Uh, thanks, Rita, for laughing at me. Uh, but, but Snickers, and, and let me be honest, they are free. They are free for the taking. Anyone that wants one can have one. I promise. And I know you guys are getting gun shy. Uh, of my ta- uh, tactics, but I will not embarrass you if you come up and get one. I knew my son would respond. Thank you, brother. Uh, the, gotta hurry, gotta hurry. Well, half of them are going to my family. God. Oh, here, oh, no. Oh, he didn't give his his last... He had two. <laughs> my son Caleb and his children, and my son Brian, or my son Joel. <laughs> what, what's your name? And it's Joel's kid. Yeah, you're not claiming those. So, <laughs> so uh, I thought I might have to get you to come up to get those. But thank you for responding. That hey, when someone's giving away, giving away free food when you're hungry. Man, you respond. Uh, last, uh, Kelly Charlotte, was it September when we went to Texas? Uh, eh, somewhere in there, September, okay. Uh, we, we went down to Beaumont, Texas, a group here from the church that uh, w- went down and helped out with uh, hurricane relief. And on Sunday of, of our weekend trip there, we went down to Orange, Texas, and set up in a parking lot of, of a, um, I can't remember the name of the church, of a church there in Orange, Texas, and and gave away... Uh, gave away food, gave away uh, cleaning supplies, gave away paper products, gave away toys. Man, we just had a ton of stuff that that we had taken down, us and a group from Iowa, Crystal's group had organized and, and, and set it all up in a parking lot. And once we got that stuff set up, people came out of the woodwork. I mean, they saw it and people started driving up and, and uh, it stayed rather orderly. But man, they're giving away stuff. Let's get over there and take it. I, I've seen that in Mexico a couple times when, when we were there with groups and, and gave away school supplies. Uh, 
Bobby, you've been there and seen that before. One time, I was up on the roof of the Annapolis church that we were, were, were uh, doing our VBS at on the last day, and we were handing out school supplies, and the, we kept the kids inside the church and gave them their school supply, and they had to leave. Um, and we guarded the entries, because otherwise they would loop back around and get a second, which I know some of them did. But uh, but they would leave, and and I tell you what, they must have ran out of that place saying, they're giving away stuff! Because I'm up on the roof, and I look down off that hill, and I saw kids just running down the streets of a napper towards the church. They're giving away stuff. So when when someone is giving away something that will satisfy you, man, people are drawn to that. And, and, and that's what we see in this story. You have to have a crowd. And this crowd was hungry. And, and, and Jesus was there to meet their need. Now, I, I know that you know this, but, but let me point it out. Let me point the obvious. It's easy to miss this because, because the story's wrapped up. The story ends with him feeding them with the, the loaves and the fish, and that's how it kind of, that's the culmination of the story. But I, but I know that you realize this, that the hunger that Jesus satisfied for them that day really had nothing to do with their physical hunger. They weren't there that day for a meal. Uh, see, that's why I said they, they were both, uh, uh, or th- that they were also headstrong. They were hungry, but they were also headstrong. Because the, the text tells us they came and it, it became late in the afternoon and the evening. And they didn't care because they were there to hear what Jesus had to say and see what Jesus had to do and how he was going to touch their lives. But, but they weren't hungry. They weren't hungry for food. It was a spiritual hunger that had had met their needs or that they were looking for. Uh, Mark 6 tells us that uh, many of them saw Jesus and leaving and, and recognized him. And from all the surrounding villages, they all ran to where Jesus was. Uh, 5,000, probably just adults. There were probably even more than that there. Now, I don't think they were there just to have, have their, their spirit or their physical needs met. They were there to have their spiritual need met. See, they didn't go running from their villages. Hey, a free meal tonight. Hey, come on down. We're going to have fish and, and bread. Uh, they're giving away Snickers. I, no, I, that's not why they came. They came because of their spiritual need. In John chapter 6, verse 2, let me read that verse for us again. It says there, And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw miraculous signs that he had performed on the, uh, on the sick. And over in Luke chapter 9, Verse 11, Luke 9, 11 says, But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who were needing healed. Jesus, Jesus met their physical needs. And I don't think it was all just about the miraculous healing of illness. I don't think there were that many sick people in the villages. Jesus met the needs in their life. And I think Luke gives us that key gives us that insight when he says that Jesus spoke to them about the kingdom of God. See, he talked about the kingdom that satisfied the hunger in their spirit and in their soul. See, these folks felt as if God didn't know who they were. They feared that God didn't care about who they were or what they had to offer. And Jesus come came inviting them and letting them know that they were a part of his kingdom. See, that was the hunger. Yeah, 
he, he fed them loaves of, of bread and fish, but, but Jesus spoke to their hearts. So church, there's really a couple applications there for us. Number one, uh, we, need to be, we need to be like the crowd. Uh, we need to flock to Jesus. When our souls are dry, when, when we hunger for something that gives us meaning, we can go to the one that invites us to be a part of his kingdom. And then church, we also need to understand that we have that to offer to people as well. Uh, so, so we see the crowd. They, they were there. You, you can't feed a crowd without a crowd. But we also see in the text the challenged. Look with me in verses 5 through 9. When Jesus looked up and saw the crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test them, for he had already made up in his mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each of them to even have a bite. He, 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 uh, he put a challenge out there uh, to, to them, and he challenged them in their compassion. Uh, Mark and uh, Matthew's Gospels both state that when Jesus saw the people coming, that he was moved with compassion. Mark tells us the disciples uh, had had been tired, that they'd went away and they, they were trying to find a place to find some rest and get away from the, the crowds, and they were interrupted once again. And so the challenge here is, will, will his disciples see the crowd the same way that Jesus saw them? Now, their response, I don't think, was out of the ordinary. In fact, in fact, it, it, had it been me, if I'd have been there, number one, when the crowd came, I would have said, Jesus, we got to get out of here. They found us. And, and when it came time to feed them, I would have said, no, Jesus, we can't do this. We can't, we can't be bothered by this. But he put a test uh, for them. Will you have my compassion? Notice Jesus' compassion, first of all, started with the people's hunger, their spiritual hunger. Church, when was the last time you had compassion? When was the last time you were moved with compassion over someone's spiritual plight? When was the last time you saw someone who was hurting and someone whose heart was heavy and someone who was struggling to find meaning in their life? When was the last time you saw someone and and you knew their thought of God was that he doesn't know I exist or he doesn't care that I exist? When was the last time you saw someone who was spiritually hungry and you were moved with compassion? Jesus was moved with compassion. The challenge was, will the disciples be moved with compassion. But Jesus didn't just care about that. He did also care about their physical hunger. Church, we are called to excel at meeting the spiritual needs of people. We are called to excel at realizing that we have the answer to their spiritual hunger. But don't miss this. We are also called, we are also called to have compassion for people's physical needs. Do you, you know the text, you, you know the story, but have you ever put it in context and, and understand just how powerful it is when, when Jesus in Matthew chapter 25, if, you, if you're not familiar, you, you can go there and read the story. When, in Matthew chapter five, when, or 25, when Jesus talks about separating the sheep from the goat, at judgment time, he's going to say, okay, sheep you over here and goats you're over there. That Jesus describes the, the sheep this way. He says, you saw people who were hungry and fed them. You saw people who were thirsty and you gave them something to drink. You saw people who were strangers and you welcomed them. You saw people who needed clothes and you clothed them. You saw the sick and you cared for them and you saw those in prison and you visited with them. Now Jesus did say it 
the end of the gospels. Go and make disciples. Don't, don't miss that. We are called to meet spirit, people's spiritual needs and, and, and satisfy their hunger. The church, we're called also to have compassion for people's physical needs. And when we do that, we show them that we care. He put a challenge out. Uh, the, the challenge was to their compassion, but he also challenged their faith. Uh, John seems to be centering in his gospel, and his recollection of this story, seems to center a little bit on this. Uh, verse 7, he says, Philip answered him, eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for even uh, for, for them to have even just a, a little bit of bite. So, so, so Philip began to calculate. When Jesus said, hey, how are we going to feed these? How, how are we going to take care of this need? Uh, Philip, it says, and maybe the others were as well, but Philip began to do some calculations in his head. He's, he began to think, man, they are, and I don't know if they'd already counted. You know, maybe the disciples were about that. You know, Rick counts. Hey, Rick, stand up. He's back up here. Your wife will explain what this means later on. But go ahead and stand up real quick. That's a shirt that Jenna designed. Thank you, Jenna. You can sit down. <laughs> Rick was counting earlier. So so there probably was one of the disciples that was their job. Hey, when we got a crowd, let's count. Because that was church, and you always count. And and they probably exaggerated the count maybe just a little bit. I don't know. But but they were they, they were counting. So maybe they already knew there's 5,000. Philip, maybe he was the designated counter. He's thinking, okay, 5,000 people. How much? And, and he had a little pencil behind his head, and he began to, um, uh, he's like, wow, that's going to cost a lot. Now, some of you are, uh, some of you been there, some of you guys have similar stories to, uh, similar lives to, 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 to my wife and I, but our, most of our kids live away. And, and uh, so when any of them come home for a weekend, one of our biggest challenges, you'll agree with me, what are we going to feed them? I mean, because... Because they eat like horses. I, Isaiah, I mean, double fisting on the Snickers. So, uh, so it's, and, and really it isn't even that. It's just like, what? Cause we don't, you know, we don't ever hardly cook very much. I'm getting myself in trouble here. <laughs> My wife's a lovely cook. And, uh, but I say, honey, you worked all week. Set your feet up and don't cook. Uh, but, but, uh, we, uh, set my, where was I going with this? Do you remember? <laughs> But but that's one of our biggest challenges. What are we what what are we going to feed them for the the weekend? So so this weekend we knew we had some of the kids coming home. Actually, Crystal was supposed to be here and with uh, with her family, and that didn't work out that they were able to come. So so we'd been talking about well well what are we going to do? Well, we'll get pizza on Friday night, and and Brian, my son from Tulsa, came in Friday night and had to turn around and leave yesterday afternoon to to be back at church. So so we're talking well we'll do pizza on Friday night, and we'll we'll. Uh, Worked out great. We had hot dogs on Saturday. Thank you, church, for doing that for us yesterday. And, and so, uh, so we're figuring out what, you know, what, what we're going to do. And, and, and the whole point and, and why some of them are here, obviously for the walk, we were like, Hey, we're going to celebrate Mother's Day this weekend. Uh, we'll do it this weekend. So, so my first plan was, honey, we'll go home after church and we'll cook some pork chops. And she's like, sounds like a great Mother's Day for me. I have to cook. Normal Mother's Day, right? And I said, no, I'll get the kid, I'll get the girls to, to help me with that. And so we were going to do that. And, and then a little bit later on, we we're like, well, maybe we should just go out to eat. And, uh, and then we decided this was our plan. Well, cause Crystal was unsure if she was coming. If Crystal doesn't come, we'll go to Willie's. Uh, cause that's a few less people. We'll go to Willie's. If she comes, then we'll eat at home. Now it's not like we don't like Crystal as much. It's just, you know, it's just a uh, math we're, we're calculating. And, and, uh, so, and, well, yeah, and, well, 
and Caden because he's a little monster when he goes to restaurants. So that, that's that's true too. So so we're we're talking about that and like what do we do? And so we kind of had I thought left it that we're going to Willie. So we were talking Friday about where we were going to eat and about it. And Rita said, well, well, let's do hamburgers. And I said, well, I thought we were going to Willie's. And usually I'm the one doing this, but literally, I kid you not, Rita did this. She said, it'll be six adults. It's about $10 a person. That'd be 60 and the kids. Let's just eat hamburgers at home. It'll be cheaper. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, oh, I know. Yeah, Willie's would have been great, but... Um, <laughs> So, so, so there was a challenge in, in, in their faith. So Philip began to calculate how much is this going to cost? And he's like, man, eight months. And I, and that's not even going to cover it. But you know, Jesus, don't we see in the scripture, challenges us always to do the impossible. Uh, he, he once told Peter, hey, Peter, get out of the boat and walk on water. He told the woman that, that was caught in adultery, hey, you don't think you can do it, but leave your life of sin and change. He told that rich young ruler, hey, if you want to follow me, sell everything that you have, give it to the poor, and you can be my disciple. And, and he says to those of us who are hunger, hungering spiritually, he says, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me, and I'll satisfy that hunger. Jesus challenges us to do the impossible. And, and, and so part of this story, really where this whole co- thing comes from, was a challenge to their faith, to, to trust him to do the impossible, to trust his identity. See, they'd, they'd seen him raise people from the dead. They'd seen him given, given sight to the blind. They'd, they'd, they'd help people who couldn't walk to walk. And he'd, he'd said to the leper, let your leprosy be gone. They had seen that, and yet they still continued to struggle in their faith. And he challenged, he challenged their, their plan. Philip crunched numbers. Uh, ten of them apparently uh, stood there and did nothing, but one of them, Andrew, at least went and looked and found someone that had some food. Now, now even Andrew, when when he did that, if you're looking there uh, in verse 8, he says, Another of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small lo- barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? So at least he went out and did something, but he still said, man, it's not going to happen. So it was a challenge to their faith, a challenge to their plan. And then we see the next person in the story, and, and, and we'll, we'll finish up here quickly. We, we see the child. Uh, it's interesting, these four Gospels share this story. Uh, John is the only one that mentions the child. I think it's cool about how the Gospels... Uh, are, are intertwined together, where where one will will emphasize one thing and another will emphasize something different, and I and I think John wanted to emphasize this boy. The other gospels just say, hey, they they had five loaves and two fish, but John says it was a little boy. I, I don't know the story. Did that little boy start to head out the house? Did he have an overprotective mom um, that that probably said, okay, son, before you go listen to Jesus, put your sunscreen on and and here's a lunch. You know, you don't know how long you're going to be. I don't, I don't know how that happened. Maybe, maybe he was tending sheep and just saw the crowd and, and had his lunch with him and went down. I have no idea. How did they find it? Did they, did they holler out? Has anyone got any food? Uh, or, or was he look, did they notice he had a little lunch box or, or, or he sat under a tree and started to eat his lunch and, 
And they went over and said, hey, son, come here. We, we've got a, a proposition. I have no idea. But this is the one thing we do need to see, and I, I think John keys on it. Maybe it's John's key for this story, was that the child was willing to be used. He was willing to let God, willing to let God use him. Maybe the story of the 5,000, if, if we catch nothing else. If today you don't take anything away from it except a snicker bar, take this. That God is looking for people willing to be used. You have to have a crowd to feed a crowd, but you had to have someone who was willing to give up his lunch, his loaves, and his fish to make it happen. Jim Cimbala uh, preached at uh, the, the Brooklyn Tabernacle for years told this story that actually happened back in the 70s. He said, in, in the 70s, there was an area of New York City, and I assume it's probably there, still there, called Hell's Kitchen. And, and, and it was probably the, the, the most dangerous part of the city. And, and in the middle of Hell's Kitchen, there was a church that had a massive bus ministry. They would, on Sunday morning, send out 50 buses throughout, throughout the city to take kids from all different walks of life, and most of them from very rough situations, and bring them to their church and try to teach them about Jesus. And Bala says that one Sunday there was a, a Puerto Rican lady that found her way into the church and, and ended up accepting Christ as her Savior. Th- this Puerto Rican lady really spoke no English at all, but, but the next morning, Monday, she went into the, uh, Pastor Simbala's, or, or uh, to the, the pastor there of that church, did his office and said, hey, I want God through an interpreter, said, I want God to use me. What can I do? And the pastor, knowing that she didn't speak English and knowing that she had no, just to become a Christian and had nothing to really offer, said, man, I just don't know how, how I can use you. And she said, please, just something. I want God to use me. And so he thought for a while and he said, would you be willing to be a part of the bus ministry? He said, anything. And, and so he said, well, this is what I want you to do. I want you to, to ride a different bus every week. We have 50 buses. So a different bus every week and, and, and just love on people if you can. So she said, I can do that. So she began to ride the buses and, and what she would do was pick, she'd pick out that one kid that seemed to be off by itself, the maybe the dirtiest looking kid or the 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 kid that looked the saddest, but she'd pick one kid and she'd sit down, usually it was a small child, sit down and put that kid in his lap and, and would say to him in broken English, and it's about all that she knew, she would say to that kid, Jesus loves you and I love you. And so each week she'd get on a bus, she'd find a kid, she'd pick that kid up, put it in his lap, and she would say to whisper to that kid who's there all the way to, to church, Jesus loves you and I love you. Jesus loved you and I. After several months of uh, of doing this, she she went in the pastor's office. and said, "Hey, can I stay with one particular route? Can I stay on, on this one bus?" He said, "There's one little boy that I just have fallen in love with, and I I want to ride that bus." He said, "That's fine." So so every Sunday morning, this little kid would go and she'd put him in his lap and and she'd whisper to him, "Jesus loves you and I love you." This little boy never said a word. As she talked to the Sunday school teachers, they said he never speaks, doesn't say anything in class, doesn't. Doesn't, doesn't utter a word, but, but every Sunday on the way to church, on the way back, she'd take this little guy and set him on his lap and just whisper, Jesus loves you and I love you. Jesus loves you and I love you. Over and over again, week after week. One Sunday afternoon, about 2.30, as they, they, they came to his stop and, and she had whispered to him, just as she had done week after week after week, Jesus loves you and I love you. Just as they came up to his stop, the little boy turned around and kind of stammered and stuttered just a little bit. I, I, I love you too. And then just enveloped her in a big hug. And then he got off the bus. 
The next day she found out the news, heard the news. At 6.30 that night, that Sunday night, that same day that the little boy had finally spoken to her and said, I love you too, his broken body was found in a garbage bag under the fire escape of his apartment complex. His mother had beaten him to death, thrown him in a, thrown his body in a trash bag and, and discarded it. Zimbala says, some of the last words this little boy heard through this Puerto Rican woman who had nothing else to give in broken, in her broken English, the last words he heard was, Jesus loves you and I love you. God, God can use you. God can use your five loaves and your couple fish. But you have to be willing to give and, and you have to be willing to give it all. And then finally, we'll close here. We, we see in the text, and it's interesting that all, all four gospels contain this little detail. We see the Christ. Uh, the, the loaves were, were, were collected, the fists were given, Jesus takes them, and all four Gospels says this, that Jesus took them, looked to heaven, and gave thanks. Why? I, I guess to give an example that we're supposed to pray before meals, I don't know, I don't really, I don't think that's what it was. He, he was the author of the universe, Jesus was God in the flesh, he, he, he was there during creation, if, if, as, as we understand his, his deity. Um, he really didn't even need the five loaves and fish because he could have just magically, he could have said to the rocks, be loaves and fish. And, and so, so why did he give thanks? What was he, what was he giving thanks for? I, I, I like to think as we wrap this whole thing up, this whole story, I like to think that it was several things. I like to think that he was giving thanks for the crowd. Father, thank you that there were people whose hungry hearts came to find out that they're part of the kingdom. To find out that they belong. I like to think that he, he was saying thanks for the, the challenge to my, my twelve. These, uh, th- this group of misfits that get it wrong so many times that, 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 that step out in, in great faith and then stumble in, uh, uh, so many other times. I, 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 I've got to believe that he was saying, God, thank you for the challenge that I've been able to put to my disciples to teach them a lesson. I think he was giving thanks for a child. Giving thanks for someone that said, here, take my stuff. And I think he was giving thanks that, Father, thank you that the hungry are going to be fed. The needs are going to be met. How do you feed a crowd? How do you feed a crowd? Would you bow with me? Father, we come to you this morning and we thank you that uh, your word challenges us. Uh, your word speaks to our heart. And Father, in this story, we can be so many of the different people uh, there. We, sometimes we're the crowd. Sometimes we're the hunger, the ones hungering to, to know that we belong. Father, sometimes we're challenged. Sometimes we fail the test. Um, sometimes you're the one trying to teach us that we should trust in you. Father, sometimes we have the simple faith of that child and we're willing to, to let you use us. Father, uh, we thank you this morning that, that when you put out a challenge to feed a crowd or to make a difference or to build a kingdom, 
Father, that we're a part of that story, that you use us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need to make a decision this morning, we would encourage you, challenge you uh, to step forward and come as we stand and as we sing.